The first restaurant I ever ate at in Hudson was several years before I moved here, when my now wife took me to a newer place in town called Agave Kitchen. I remember thinking back then, this place is pretty cool. After moving to Hudson a few years later, I realized just how much of a staple Agave was to the downtown food scene, and how much its owner, Paul Rohde, truly supports the Hudson community. From donating his time or his money to various organizations, or even giving shoutouts on Agave Kitchen's marquee sign, Paul is a champion for all things Hudson. He developed a sense of entrepreneurialism and philanthropy from a young age, and continues to put those traits to use today. In addition to owning Agave Kitchen, Paul has owned several other businesses in town over the years. On this episode of the St. Croix Stories podcast, Paul shares about his journey to opening Agave Kitchen, why he feels it's important to give back to the community, and share some insights on the pressure of coming up with clever and unique messages for that previously mentioned marquee. All of that and more on this week's St. Croix Stories. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of St. Croix Stories. My name is Tyler Mason and I'm joined today by someone that most of you in the Hudson community probably know. If you don't know him, you've probably know his restaurant, Agave Kitchen. I'm joined by Paul Rohde and we're in your uh, your home office here. Pretty cool setup. We'll talk about the cars behind you in a minute. But first of all, Paul, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. Thanks. Uh, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for inviting me. This is going to be fun and you're doing a good thing. And let's get at it. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you being on it. Let's just talk about uh, you for a little bit, your background. I know you grew up, I think, in Roberts, so nearby Hudson, but tell me a little bit about yourself and, uh, and kind of your backstory. Grew up in Roberts, uh, started out a dairy farm, and then my parents transferred over to a horse farm and then came to Hudson 25, close, yeah, 25 ish years ago. Okay. And uh, got into bartending from my sister. Got married, had kids, you know, that song and dance. <laughs> and then in 2008, created Agave and kept moving forward. So this area's obviously always been home to you, Roberts and Hudson, like you said, for a long time. Growing up in this area, you mentioned getting into bartending. Was that something that you thought might be what you want to do for the long term? Or was that just something you kind of stumbled into? No, growing up, I wanted to be a state trooper. I, okay. I knew I didn't want to farm, I, I you know, take over the family business, but... I was going to be a state trooper. I just had a lot of respect for them. And when I was 16, I got busted going fast, really fast once. And a state trooper was really kind to me and kind of just gave me a, a good hard talking to. Sure. Uh, when you're not good in school, books wise, you know, school bus smart, but not uh, book smart. Things are twice as hard, you know, trying to understand things. Math back then, I'm telling you, I couldn't, couldn't understand it. Reading. Mm could barely read. I mean, I could read words, but right. I just hadn't, didn't have the attention span to read two pages in a row. Hmm. It's just crazy. I got into bartending and at a younger age and bouncing first in course like that, but mm-hmm. just getting into the scene and it just kept carrying on. And when you don't drink on a job or abuse alcohol or do drugs, people ask you to manage. And then when people ask you to manage, they give you you know bigger roles. And then eventually you just kind of get on your own. Was the service industry something you kind of fell in love with right away or did it? Fell in love yeah, with it. Yeah. You can control a room. You you can be the life of the party without being drunk. Mm-hmm. You don't, you feel good the next day. You're yeah. a little tired, but you feel great <laughs> right. the next day. No hangover. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I did plenty of drinking way back in the day on my days off and stuff. But the older you get, when, when you hit your 30s and you're still bartending, it's just nice to be able to be there and be in the scene without feeling it the next day. Yeah. 
So most most people, as I've said, probably know you as the owner of Agave Kitchen. Tell me the story of Agave and kind of how it came about. Yeah. So I used to manage a place called Idaho Chucks. I was the GM there. Gary Zapp owned it and he sold it to Cozy Corner. So they just thought I was going to work for Cozy. That wasn't an option in my book. Nothing against them. I mean, they're they were great people, great right. boys. They're friends. I was going to go work at, uh, become a GM at uh, Applebee's, did all the testing. They, they put you through all these tests. And my some of the staff were like, hey, what are we going to do? Because I didn't tell anyone what I was going to do. It's, you, you're not proud of it. And they were like, where are we going? I was like, what do you mean? Where are we going? And then I found out about Twisted Grill and some of their problems and went and, you know, started investigating that and found out a guy named Steve Warnkin had it under contract. And I went and talked to him at a truck stop at exit 28 and bought his contract. And that's how it started. They were where Agave came from because phone books were relevant back then. Yeah. And I wanted to add something downtown. So we added a Tex-Mex menu. Okay. Uh, Bill Goss, my chef of 25 years now, just texted me, it was 22 years, texted me the word kitchen. And that's how Agave Kitchen was born. That's, that's, it's that simple. Yeah. And what was kind of the, the immediate um, feedback or kind of the initial impressions from the community when it opened? It was good. I mean, we didn't, it was good. Of course, you go through a lot of growing pains. The outside building sign said twist the grill. And this is a long time ago. I can't recall exactly maybe three or six months until that sign got changed. Mm. So there was some confusion, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we had the, the outdoor neon going, but once it got settled in, everything got worked out. It's it's just been good. Very grateful for the opportunities Agave has, has given me. Yeah. I think actually Agave was, if not the first, one of the first restaurants I ever ate at in Hudson. Um, my wife grew up here and we moved here in 2012, but I was came, coming to visit her maybe in the summer or something. She took me there and I think that might've been my first uh, restaurant in town. So you got that, uh, you got the seal of approval for my first visit. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever this, that's worth. It, it's right in the center of downtown. You have the neon. It, the neon's like, uh, you know, those blue lights that people hang out in the, in the country and track flies. Sure. That neon just, it, it captures people's minds yeah. and attention, I should say. And then they come in and try it out. I mean, the, the restaurant scene downtown Hudson, you already know it's, it's fantastic. Right. So it, it's just, just to get on the people's rotation yeah. of, of where they're going to go downtown. I think a lot of people come downtown, they don't know which place they're going to eat at. They're mm-hmm. going to eat at the place with the smallest wait list, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of how it works. They just bounce around, they park their car and walk past two or three restaurants and whatever they're hungry for, they go to. Yeah. How much has the food scene and the restaurant scene changed from 2008 downtown to, to now? The biggest impact would be the moose. The moose has moose. really brought a dynamic to downtown Hudson that it, it was missing. It, it, it's a great, I mean, it just brings a lot of life. Yes, there's a lot of working things when you when you have a bunch of younger people and alcohol and dancing. But it, it does. It, it it's it brings a lot of life to town. The Black Rooster brings a elegance to downtown Hudson that it was missing. Yeah, I mean the the, the chef was. You know, I'm not speaking for him, <laughs> but I believe he was a St. Paul hotel chef for for many for many years. Mm-hmm. And he he brings that downtown Hudson. It's yeah. downtown Hudson. Yeah. So there's a lot of great places. You want a dive bar? You got a dive bar. You want a good burger? You got a good burger. No matter what your palate is or what you're feeling or your mood. There is a place downtown Hudson for you. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit pretty vibrant and pretty eclectic, I think, yeah. a mix of places. And uh, I know I'm fortunate to be walking distance to downtown, so get a good choice of uh, dinner whenever yeah, we want. Yeah, people like to complain about the parking, but 
it's people have more of a walking problem than a parking problem. They, <laughs> there, there's always spots to park. Yeah, the, you just got to find it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yep. It is a couple blocks, yeah. but you're right. Yeah, not, it's not too bad. Um, so obviously 15 years, as I mentioned, uh, Agave has been open. What lessons did you learn from opening it uh, all those years ago? So let's talk about the major ones. The ones that can um, uh, relate to any line of work. Sure. The first thing you got to have is a lawyer. No matter what you do, it's the nail that sticks up is going to get hammered. People want you happy, not happier. People want you successful, just not more. So you got to have a lawyer to make sure you're doing everything correctly and to protect you from the people that are going to be offended mm-hmm. that you're in their line of work now. Uh, the next thing is a CPA, not a tax preparer, a CPA. They, you have to insist on a CPA. The first 18 months I was in business, a tax preparer was was not filing my 941s. And when you go from being a GM to an owner, there's a big step. And no yeah. one's there to go, hey, this is what you need to understand. You have to know. Yeah. And if you don't know, you can't just go, I didn't know. I mean, you can get some lenience and someone will show you grace and try to help you out mm-hmm. if you ask for it. But if you don't know what to ask for, I mean, you could really get in a lot of trouble fast. Yeah. So you got to surround yourself with good people. And then you got to get good management and good uh, staff and then trust them. I've seen too many uh, owners not trust their staff and it drives them nuts because they're focused on what they're doing or watching cameras and crap like Mm -hmm. that instead of focusing on the growth of the restaurant. Because if you're not growing, you're rotting. Green and growing are ripe and rotting. I like that. You have to grow. You have to keep, you know, your menu is always evolving. It's a very alive thing. And that's why we run feature sheets. I mean, the, the menu we started out with in 2008, there are some items that are still the same, but it is not the same menu as we started. Mm-hmm. And that comes from feature sheets. When you do three or four features a month, you find out what sells good and what doesn't. Yeah. And sometimes the craziest thing sells. Like one thing I can't stand on our menu is, is these cowboy corn bites. We have no creativity in it. It comes out of a bag. It, it bugs the crap out of me. But people love it, so it stays on. I've had those before. They're good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, but it, it's 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 mindless work. It's there's sure. no creativity in it. But it, but it sells, and that's why it's on the it's on the menu because mm-hmm. you run it as a feature. It's sold great. Okay, let's wait six months see if it runs again. Yeah, and and, and run it again and see if it sells well. And it does, and it makes the menu. Sure. Uh, and then there's some items that you put so much love, effort, and research into, and it just flops. Mm-hmm. And you can't take it personal. It, it is what it is. Sure. You just move on. Trial and error. Yep. Yeah, trial yeah. and error. It's continual trial and error. Yeah. And go on vacation and make it a point to go to places that are out of your comfort zone. Mm. Try new things. I like that. Try yeah. new items. Try new drinks. Try new alcohols. I'm not a gin fan, but when I went on, uh, went to Orlando with the wife we actually went to a gin bar hmm. to try to come up with a gin drink feature oh, cool. and it worked yeah. out and you just got to get educated and bartenders, they want to educate people. Right. They, they, they're not just there just to serve drinks. They're there to educate also and right. entertain. Yeah. And if your bartender's not doing that, find a new bartender. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all you got to do. Find, yeah. find a new bar to go to. Yeah. Bartenders are some of the nicest people on earth, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. You mentioned as part of that, the the growth part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And for you as a, I guess, business owner, entrepreneur, you know, since opening Agave, you've had some other ventures that you've kind of branched out on. What, what is, where does that entrepreneurial spirit come from for you? It's once you get started and it just keeps going. I've always worked for entrepreneurs. 
not knowing I was going to become one. Mm -hmm. I just worked for them because I want to impress. I've always, how do I say it? I played football growing up and I loved my coach, Coach Reinick. I love him. And I always wanted to impress him and stuff like that. And when you work for an entrepreneur, you have a chance to impress your boss. I loved working for entrepreneurs. If it wasn't for having kids and kind of being, you know, I don't want to say forced into agave, but forced into creating and stuff like that, I'd still be working for an entrepreneur. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And because it's not, you're not working for a board of directors. You're working for a human mm -hmm. and you want it. You want that human to have a good life. I, man, I loved it. I, I loved it. But now I'm 50, you know, when I got in your, you know, middle, late forties, you got to understand that you're not going to have all the great ideas. Mm -hmm. You got to start listening to the young people, the people in their twenties and thirties on their great ideas. So I get into things that I know I can still uh, have creative control over and not feel I'm out of touch on things. Sure. So buying commercial properties, renting them out. Um, I do have a couple residential. It just happened. Yeah. I uh, wasn't looking for it, but commercial buildings I'm, I'm big into. And then that's it. My, my drug of choice is car rallying. You already know that. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to the cars. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's, that's it. I just, eventually, um, if the kids don't take over agave, I'll try to figure out how to, you know, set up some ownership group with the staff and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Are your kids it's, interested in that, the business world at all? Like Yeah, that? two of them work at it, but okay. you, you never know. It's, you just, you can't hand something off for it to fail. Mm -hmm. And people got to earn it. When you, when you earn it and when you work for it, I've seen this in life with many different fields that I'll give you an example. Uh, Brad Treble, uh, Quality Asphalt, his dad worked it for for years, generations, it seemed like. And his son, Brad, worked it his, his entire adult life. Mm. When he was able to take it over, create his own, he knew exactly what he was doing. Sure. It wasn't that Brad went off and did something else and then I uh, decided to pick up an asphalt job. No, he worked it. He worked it as a child and became an adult working mm -hmm. in it. So that's that's a way to pass on a business or something like that. But it's not, you can't force a kid into wanting to do something. Right. It's just the wrong thing to do. Right. And you can't, uh, entitlement doesn't go very far with me. It, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, you got to earn it. Yeah. You respect it a lot more when you earn it. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. One other thing that kind of bigger picture thing that I want to talk about with you is the philanthropy, giving back to the community, which I know you've done a lot of and maybe not always publicly, but whether that's, you know, donations or fundraising type of things or mm -hmm. just even donating your time. And where does that come from for you? Why is that such an important part of, you know, how you how you go about your life? That comes from my grandmother. My grandmother didn't have a lot, but she gave when she could to the church. I would always hear about the New England dinner and she'd go cook at it for the church and stuff like that. That's where it comes from. And everything I do is in her honor. And there's nothing else that could be questioned about that. It's that's where it comes from. It comes from my heart. I don't do it publicly anymore at all because it's just people see through that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't want to ever be because, oh, you're doing it for business reasons. Oh, yeah. Shut up. No, I'm not. <laughs> you have no idea why I'm doing it. Right. But the only thing I'm public about is probably car rallying and raising money for that because mm -hmm. You just, you get so much further ahead, you know, when you're donating to Shriners and stuff like that, because you see the work that it's it's doing and changing mm -hmm. lives. But I try to keep it under, under the wraps because it's just, I want to give, I don't like how people try to tell you how to spend your money. So it's, I want to donate the things that, and donate the causes that need it. 
you got to feel good about who you're donating to. Yeah. You can't just, you know, bend, bend down to everyone that asks. Mm -hmm. You got to pick and choose who's right, who's, you know, you got to just trust your gut on things and who you yeah. give to. And it's, I just can't do the holding the check up, you know, hey, I did this. I can't, yeah. no. You know, there's a time where it's like you needed social media or someone's help to come up with the funds and stuff like that. Well, then who's really doing the donating? You're just transferring it from one to the other. Right. So it's it's a slippery slope. You got to be careful with it. But when you donate your own money um, and things that you've worked for, it it feels good. And yeah. then when no one knows about it or someone goes, hey, I know you helped this family with that. It's like, okay, I, I did, but it's not it's no one's business right yeah not doing, doing it something anonymously and finding out how it helped them that's huge yeah. i mean tearing someone down is easy building someone up mm -hmm. is tenfold harder right but ten more tenfold more rewarding yeah i bet yeah feels um, good and you, you mentioned the rally car thing is the one that mm -hmm. you've been pretty public about you're sitting uh, in front of a couple of the cars here in your, your uh, office at home including the one uh, the orange one here that maybe you can describe a little bit but just talk about the that part of it, the, the rally cars, and just also, you know, how cars became such a big part of your life. You, well, cars are a big part of my life. It's, and it, it'll, it's just not going to go away. P car people are like motorcycle people. Whatever your hobby is, it, it helps you unplug from life. Mm -hmm. I don't do drugs. I barely drink. And it just unplugs you from life. So when you're driving a car or a motorcycle, I don't do motorcycles anymore, but when you're driving a car, you have to focus on the car. You have to focus on the road. You have to focus on everything around you, your equipment, everything. You can't be thinking about shifts, sales, uh, taxes. You can't think about that stuff. You cannot think about it because you're going to be in a ditch. And some of these amazing roads that I've had the pleasure of driving, you have to give 100% full attention mm -hmm. or someone's getting hurt. That is such a gift when you get out of a car after a good 10, 12 hour drive and you're exhausted and tired and your brain is just clear. Mm. It feels good. This car, the my Z28, I uh, took it to Europe this year for the gumball rally and hit 14 different countries. And it wow. was an absolute blast, absolute blast. Uh, that, that rally raised over a million dollars for multiple cherries across wow. the world. That felt good. Yeah. Crown Rally is uh, an American based rally and we've done a lot of good there. So this car has been part of two gumballs, which has raised over a million dollars on each of those gumballs. And with Crown Rally, it's over 700 some odd thousand. And Crown Rally is an American rally that does uh, donating here in, in the United States, oh, solely the United States, for Shriner Children's Hospital, Epilepsy Foundation, and then here the Cheers, which su uh, supply hearing aids for less fortunate mm, kids. Very cool. And when you bring your car to some of these rallies and stops, we, we always have a stop at a Shriner's hospital hmm. and these kids that are trying to see tomorrow, they're trying to just live, mm -hmm. right? That's their problem. And no matter who you are, every single human you meet in life is going through problems. They're fighting a battle and some more important than others. Some people are fighting cancer, by the way, yeah. keep fighting. Right. And some of these kids are just fighting for life. And when you can pull up in a car and my, my car is a Camaro. Yes, it's modified, but I don't care if kids crawl around it. That's fine. You get a kid in there and they're, just, they're smiling ear to ear. Yeah. Guess what they're not thinking about? Their medication, the shot, the pain they're going through, the next surgery right. at, at Shriners. They're, they're not thinking of what they're going through. Mm -hmm. 
all they're thinking about is that moment. You know, you, 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 there has harness seatbelts in it. You'll put them in the harness seatbelt. You put the headset on the car is kind of loud and you just see them unplug the same way I do when I'm driving it. Mm -hmm. And they're getting that from just sitting in it. Yeah. So it's, it's addicting. It's, it, it is addicting to see that out of people and they just turn into car people right there. Yeah. I know you've done the birthday burnouts. I think you call it. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. So during COVID, I cannot remember how the first burnout started. I can't, but I can tell you how it evolved. It just turned into, Hey, we're going to go around doing birthday burnouts. We did. I can't, I can't recall 15, 20 in one day wow. and me and, and two other friends, uh, Bud Grady, there was always another person with, you know, whether, I mean, uh, Wheeler, he had his Lamborghini, he was doing burnouts <laughs> with that, but there was, there was like four or five of us, but always three that would be on at a burnout. Sure. And when cops were very lenient back then, because they knew the struggles that everyone was going through, right. they also knew that we, yes, it is a reckless act, but we weren't being reckless. You knew we what were, you were doing. Though, we yeah. knew what we were doing. I could yeah. write cursive with it, with a car <laughs> in a burnout. That'd be cool. <laughs> and it, you got to earn that trust. You know, now today you'd be pushing it. You'd right. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd be pissing people off, but then it was, yep. Just turn an eye to it. Let it happen. Mm -hmm. And we did some burnouts with, with law enforcement there because it was for a parade, you know, something like that. Yeah. But it, you went through a lot of tires, but you saw a lot of smiles. Mm-hmm. And it still comes up on Facebook memories here and there and stuff like that. And it's, it's fun. It's fun. It was, it's what helped get us through COVID. I mean, yeah. it was just such a, just a horrible, dumb thing that, and when it first happened, none of us knew anything about it. Right. So it, I did a, I did a car parade, took a lot of heat from that. Oh, really? You know, a lot of people owe me apologize or apologies over that. And I remember <laughs> who they were, you know, <laughs> popping off on social media but it's, it was harmless. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, it was just driving down where the drive-in was cars were parked on oh, each okay. side. And then we had a parade of rally cars going down the middle huh. and, you know, we'd rev our engines for kids with yeah. birthday signs. We did it once a month for two, three months, but these kids, they, uh, they, they don't know what's going on. You, yeah. So we would just try to kind of do different things. We're thinking, I hate the term outside the box. We were thinking outside the box, what can we do mm -hmm. and be safe. Right. So we started doing burnouts. Yeah. Some of the greatest memories. And and we're doing some of these burnouts because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. fun for you and fun for them. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah, fun. Absolutely. And the sound of the engine, there's nothing like a yeah. V8 just roaring. Yeah. Were you a, a car guy when you were kids just like these kids? Yeah. Right? Ever since, his name was Mark Frederick, I believe. I'd have to ask my dad, but he was a hired hand on the farm. I was okay. a kid. He had a 72 Nova. It was brown. I love that car. It had a bad exhaust on it, but I didn't know it was bad back then. <laughs> That's it. But I've always had a, a sports car. You know, sure. Now it's, you know, I just call it a rally car because sure. you, don't, you don't drive it every day. You just drive it for fundraising events and, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, birthday stuff. Once in a while, I say, hey, I'm going to be at Fleet Farm for a couple hours. If your kid wants to come crawl around it. You're not going to hurt the car. I mean, I, <laughs> it, 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 at all. You're not going to hurt. My it. kids might make a mess in it if they crawled in and put, it, yeah. It, I, yeah, <laughs> throw all their stuff on the floor. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, that happens. But it's cars are very healthy. They're yeah. they're 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 good for someone's mental health. Yeah. I mean that whenever you're feeling low, 
I mean, you can just go drive it. Yeah. And, and in the wintertime, I've got a slot car track that I just mess around with or remote control cars. Yeah. And it's just always something with the It's with always the something. Yeah. 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 I'm not into driving simulators because that's a rabbit hole. You could spend just as much <laughs> on a driving simulator yeah, as a I've seen car. Yeah, so, pretty, pretty fancy. Yeah, yeah. Try not to go down <laughs> that rabbit hole. Uh, so go back to Agave for a minute. I think we mentioned sure. the, the sign outside, not the neon one, but the, the marquee that you know, people see as they're going down second street, going North through town. Uh, tell me about the, the backstory of that. Was that something you, you knew you wanted to have out there? I then- knew I wanted it because when we were at Idaho Chuck's, I had a sign and I can't remember why they had it there, but I just started, I, I, th- I remember the first smart ass sign I made, it was called mafia meeting. I said, mafia meeting Tuesday at 7 PM. <laughs> And it made the paper. Really? And I was like, oh, okay, okay, I can try this. And I remember Mark Zappa, Gary Zappa's brother, is like, you know, hey, don't don't push it too far. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So we, we've had things that offended people, uh, but we've you, you learn quickly not to repeat that. Like Widow Weekend, Deer mm. Hunting Weekend oh, yeah. is called Widow Weekend. Right. Everyone does it, right? right? But I had it on the sign once and just got lit up. Really? Wow. So I, you learn when, when you get lit up, it's like, okay, don't do that sign again. It's going right. to you know piss someone off. So it's pretty generic. But, you know, being with downtown in the center of Hudson, you don't want the center of Hudson. I'm not saying Agave is the center of Hudson. Right. I'm saying the location's the right. center of Hudson. Geographically speaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. I'm not being an arrogant prick here. I'm just saying <laughs> it's the center. So it's the sign. You don't, we don't need to have you know, the burger feature, all that stuff. We have that on there. Those are just filler signs. What we like is when the community reach out, hey, can you help us put this on the site? Oh, and it's sure. funny because they, they, some people act like they're, they're, they're bugging me. And it's like, you're not bothering me at all. Yeah. If you're, you're helping me put something on the sign for the day. Yeah. You, you just gave my brain a, you know, five minute break. I don't have to think <laughs> about what's tomorrow's sign. Yeah. So, you know, they act again, the house, uh, the chamber of commerce, high school athletics, all that stuff. You, you just message me. It's I'm easy to get a hold of. It's not difficult. <laughs> and it's mostly you coming up with them, or is that? Yeah, yeah, it's me coming up with it. Sometimes the staff will come up with it if I'm trying, if I'm you know trying to figure something out or a problem with another building or trying to acquire something. Um, I I have a text group. It's called Sign. And if I don't post on it for a day or two, they they put up. Well, we have a standard, you know, ta- burger taco Tuesday, um, yeah. stuff like that. But like uh, the cancer game for basketballs tonight. So mm. I have that on there. Yesterday was Santa par- or Santa has parking on the roof, sleigh parking on the <laughs> sure. roof. It's stupid things like that. If you're like, okay, what five-year-old thought of that? And I'm your five-year-old. I'm the one <laughs> that thought of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more challenging than you think to come up with rated G uh, signs that kind of make you smile or yeah. make you wonder. But I'll, I will drop smart-ass kind of comments that maybe one out of 10 people will get or <laughs> yeah. a movie quote or sure. a reference. And those are the ones I like, cause then the person up, a person will reach out and go, Oh, I know what you did there. And it's like, yeah, I did <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's like chess. You know, it's just, there's so many uh, ways to come up with something clever. Yeah. And you kind of touched a little bit on you know, promoting other things in town, whether that's, you know, a, a team wins the state, championship yeah. or thing those kind of things so i think you have a good mix of you know promoting agave but like you said you don't really need to at this point but um yeah i mean do you feel kind of a responsibility though just that is such a prime spot as everyone drives by they see that sign I'm, i know i drive by it every time i come home from work and i I'm, i always check out what's on the sign it's a lot of power and a lot of responsibility not saying power again to be not showing arrogance but right. you have the power to do election stuff do um political stuff 
what's that going to do? Just piss off half the town. Yeah. And you can't do that. Right. Uh, but you could also, it, it is a great responsibility is what I'm saying. You could have a disgruntled staff member just go out there and, you know, put something stupid up. You got to have trust with, with the people doing the sign. Uh, something that's fun is other businesses in town have signs too. Yeah. When the Nova was a full-blown restaurant, their sign was top-notch. I mean, mm -hmm. they had clever stuff on that thing every yeah. day. And Cozy Corner had a fantastic sign game. Mm -hmm. We'd collaborate once or twice, you know, to come up with something funny for other, sure. for the town. But the marquee signs are important in town. I would like to make mine digital just to make it easier, but there's laws down, downtown with the Buena Vesta, I guess, project and stuff like that that okay. keep us from having those kind of luxuries. How long does it take to change out the sign depending on how long the it, messages it depends on the letters yeah when it's cold it's obviously longer in the summertime <laughs> right. the let letters are a little bit easier and flexible okay. in the wintertime we break letters sure. constantly when it's a, really cold out. do you have a favorite all-time message that you had up there that you remember <sighs> solid question that's a great question <laughs> i know there's been a lot over yeah, especially I, for changing them almost I, every I, day i, I can't 15. think of anything that right off the top of my head sure. but there's you know what yeah, no, the mafia meeting one, the one that made the paper was was funny because that's how it started. Yeah, it, it, but no, nothing that's that's coming to mind. But yeah. th there's been plenty. Yeah. There's been a lot of good ones over the years. Yeah, yeah for correct, sure. correct. Well, last question for you, Paul, and this is something to ask everyone on here. What is your favorite thing about Hudson? I mean, you've grown up, you lived in in Hudson for you know, yeah, twenty five years. I think you said you grew up not far away. What's your favorite thing about Hudson? The, the four seasons, the way that that main street. I'm going to encourage everyone on here to do this at least once or twice. One of the greatest gifts about bartending downtown Hudson, and I think every bartender is going to tell you this, is when you leave the building at 4 a.m. and you just walk out on Main Street and there's nothing there. Hmm. There's nothing. There's no sound. It's quiet. There's mm -hmm. no buzz. There's no music coming from the other restaurants. It is one of the most beautiful sights and something that enhances it a little bit more is the four seasons mm. when you get a good snowfall when you get rain yeah. just the heat in the summertime the fall colors it, that's my favorite part about hudson the the, the four seasons i sure. mean every 90 days something different's going on yeah and a lot of the shops they decorate their buildings i don't have that decorative touch but some of these buildings downtown do such an amazing job of they're constantly evolving they're constantly looking different i love it yeah. And of course, Christmas time is my favorite time of the year. It's yeah. just, you just drive downtown just to see it. I'm going to encourage everyone to just once a year, just do it. Get out of bed at 4 a.m. and just go stand downtown Hudson. Hmm. Just right, right, right in front of our building. It's got nothing to do with our building, but there, you're going to see something. You're going to, it's a great place to meditate. I don't do it enough now, but when I bartended down there and we first opened, I was there every night and mm -hmm. it, it's so great. And then when you, when you leave in a car or a motorcycle and you roll down the window and you hear the exhaust, you know, yeah. rumbling and stuff. Uh, but downtown Hudson is very, very important to me. It's very important to me. I love it. Yeah. yeah I love too. it a lot. Yeah. As, as do I. And I, I really appreciate you, Paul, taking the time for this and for, you know, your service to the community as, as someone who's a great advocate for Hudson and for um the downtown like you said so you know thanks for everything you do and yeah, i think we'll see you tomorrow yeah, yeah right <laughs> i didn't know what you did there. thanks for doing this this is great uh, i can't wait to see some of the you know there, there's so many more much more important than me people downtown hudson and i just encourage you to just 
ask other people who they want to see yep. because there's so many amazing people, so many amazing people downtown. I, I would love to hear about Dave Kanoki's story. I mean, yeah. five-star guy. Yep. I mean, Mike Standard. Can you imagine the stories that he's got? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's There's so much that Hudson has that I want to hear about. Yeah. So great work and great idea on doing this. And just don't stop. I mean, yeah. just keep it going. Yeah, that's the plan. I've got a long list of uh, people I want to talk to, and you're you're high on the list. So glad we got this one in. But yeah, stay tuned because I've got uh, a whole lot more. So, but again, right. Paul, thanks for thanks for the time. Very grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, and thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of St. Croix Stories. As I told Paul, I've got a long list of guests coming up here, so be sure to subscribe. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at stcroixstories.com. So hit that subscribe button; you'll catch all the upcoming episodes as well. Otherwise, have a great day.